Hey everyone, this is Chris and Sandy Benton with the Chris and Sandy Show. We get up close and personal with some amazing guests. And today, like I say on every episode, we've got a great show for you. We've got Ward Davis coming on. He's doing doing some great things out there. And we're excited to talk a little bit about his story and talk some music. So Ward, are you here? I am here, man. How you doing? Doing pretty good. And yourself? I'm all right. <laughs> so... Um, I always like to start this year the same way on most of my podcasts um, with the big elephant in the room, that I, you know, so to speak. How has COVID affected you, and what are you doing to maneuver through that? Um. Well, I mean, it, it you know it affected me. You know, geez, just I mean, just every aspect of my life. You know, for better or worse. Um, mm-hmm. You know, right in the uh, middle of March, you know, we were on our way to Madison, Wisconsin, I think, and uh, my manager called me and told me to turn the bus around. Wow. So we came home, and you know, everything canceled, you know, pretty much indefinitely. And um, it's, you know, I did, I have had a lot more time home uh, to spend with my, spend with my kids and my wife. Uh, you know, up until about. I'd say about three months ago, we started doing a lot of private shows, and we're doing some, you know, limited capacity gigs. But man, those first those first few months were, I mean, they were pretty pretty rough. You know, it was scary. Like we yeah. didn't have anything going on. I was totally depending on, you know, online shows. Uh, you know, I started doing cameo. I started doing Zoom meetings with fans. Just you know, anything mm-hmm. we could do to, you know, make mm-hmm. money. Uh, yeah. So. But yeah, it's. I mean, it it changed everything, and and beyond that, I think it's. I think things are going to be a lot different when things get back to normal. You know. Yeah, there will. There definitely will be a new normal, and you know, for us with this show, you know, we launched January third of this year, and our original plan was, you know, hundred interviews first year. We thought if we did that, we would be ahead of the crowd. I don't think there's a whole lot of hosts that can say they've interviewed a hundred people their very first year. So I thought, yeah. great goal, and then COVID happens. And I remember looking at Sandy and saying, you know, everything is being shut down. I think this could be our year to shine, you know, because artists yeah. and other people are going to need a place to talk. And then we're going to yeah. give it to them. And be- because of that, we're over 240 interviews now. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so That's our goal is 300 now. <laughs> and, and and you know when when the you know when we're talking it's like every most of the talking is sixty minutes a pop so we're we're talking yep. sixty minute two hundred and forty conversations yeah that's, that's, yeah it's a good week <laughs> <laughs> so before we really dig into your story I'd like to go a little light so tell us a little bit about the hobbies you have outside of music. Oh gosh, hobbies. Well, I don't have a lot of time for hobbies. Uh I think the only thing I, I do um when I'm when I'm on the road, uh I'll stop at thrift stores and pawn shops and, and uh you know, antique or, or markets, that kind of that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. I'll uh I'll, I find items and I bring them back to Tennessee and I've got a uh I've got a, a booth rented in a little antique store in downtown Gainesboro, and so I'll take my stuff that I got off the road, and I'll go down there and put it in my little booth and sell it. I like it. I guess uh, the short answer is I like to pick. 
I'm a picker. <laughs> I love that. So tell everybody a little bit of where you're originally from and kind of your backstory. Take a couple minutes just to tell us about who you are. Um, I was uh I grew up I was born and grew up in um southeast Arkansas. Um you know, like nineteen seventy nine. So I grew up in the eighties and the nineties, uh back home and uh, you know, my my dad is a uh he's a retired uh wildlife biologist. My mom was oh, wow. a, a, a a eighth grade, seventh and eighth grade school teacher. Um, you know, I started I started playing piano when I was about seven, started taking piano lessons and uh got kicked out of piano lessons when I was about ten years old. Uh, uh because I wouldn't read the, I wouldn't read the music. I was just playing by ear and Garth oh, Brooks wow. had come along. I just wanted to play all Garth Brooks songs all the time, so my teacher fired me. Uh, but yeah, I started. You know, I had a I had a pretty normal childhood, I would say, just you know, as far as where I was from goes. Uh, I started I started playing music so young. You know, by the time I was thirteen or fourteen, I wanted to I wanted to get a guitar because the, you could get a lot more gigs, I guess. Um. Yeah, so I got a guitar and started singing, you know, and I just, I, you know, did that all through high school and all through uh, college. Well, not through college, to the point that I stopped going to class. Hey, buddy, mm-hmm. what's up? My daughter here. <laughs> Hello. Um, I saw Wolfie and <laughs> oh, Okay, Wolfie's in the car. Hey, Natalie, would you get Wolfie out of the car? Sorry. <laughs> oh, God. Somebody open the door. This is bad. This is real, real bad. Speaking of you know, we're live. I love that because with no, our two no, kids, you never know what's going to happen. This is That's fantastic. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Natalie. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yes, I, I dropped out of college and I, uh, I moved to Nashville when I was 20, which would be the year 2000. And mm-hmm. uh man tried to you know tried to make it as a songwriter for a really long time till about five, six years ago. Uh I gave up in a weird kind of a way. <laughs> um but yeah, I mean I've I had a pretty normal childhood, normal life growing up. Um, you know, college dropout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I love stories like that because you know in our society today, that you know, it's like a lot of times parents and teachers and all that, they put down people who want to be musicians. They put down people who didn't finish college. They put down people that maybe only got high school. And so I love yeah. stories where you beat the odds because, again, you know, I think we're in a time that that of transition in our society where, yes, if you want to be a doctor, a lawyer, and stuff like that, you're going to always need college. But I think we're in a transition to where because of the Internet, there's nothing you can't do nowadays without the college. Yeah, um, I, so. I agree. And, you know, like the one thing, my, my dad was, you know, through, you know, becoming who I was and being an artist mm-hmm. and all that, my dad was probably my biggest cheerleader. You know, he was oh, also wow. – he was like coach slash cheerleader. Uh-huh. It wasn't. He wasn't always cheering. There was some yelling. It was like yeah, 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 but you got to do better. 
<laughs> but the, I think if you know, I think if you asked him if there was one thing that he wished that I would have done differently, it would have been finished college, and mm-hmm. not just not not to have a career, but to have a backup plan. And that's my dad's. A, he's a prepper, so he's always backup plans are a big part of his life. <laughs> and that's and what's funny about that is when you. Because, you know, a lot of people don't understand the artistry behind all this. So the creative person, whether it's being an actor, whether it's being a musician, anything within the creative thing, you know, a lot of people don't get that if you have a backup plan, your backup plan when the struggle comes will become plan A. And a lot of people don't understand that side. Like, you know, I'm sure you've probably heard this where a a lot of times hosts will ask these big artists. You know, big country artist, you know, and, and he always asks the same question. You always hear this one question asked. If music did not work, what would you be doing now? And and 90% of the time, the answer is almost the same. I would just be a broke musician. I had no plan B. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty <laughs> – I, I, I don't disagree with that, man. There's There are times, you know, I'm and just being – haven't really – told anybody this but man but uh, mm-hmm. last year i had some some really bad trouble with my voice mm-hmm. like uh, i don't oh, wow. i don't know how to, i don't know how to explain it any other way than mm-hmm. it's like i forgot how to sing and oh wow uh there was a moment there where you know i was so i was just completely terrified that i was mm-hmm. you know not going to be sing anymore and and, it, and it, the thought <laughs> came into my mind like you know what the hell are what, you gonna do? What do, do I now? do? <laughs> yeah, and, and there was no, there was no uh, answer. So you know, I booked a, mm-hmm. uh, I booked an appointment with like the best uh, vocal uh, physician in you know maybe maybe the country, mm-hmm. and she went she went and looked down my throat and had all this gear hooked up to me and looked down in there and she said, "There's nothing wrong with you, Ward." She said something's going on in your head, and you're doing oh, it to wow. yourself. It was, man. <laughs> but uh, uh, I, and actually, man, if if I'm being honest about that too, uh-huh. COVID had pulling me off the road. COVID, uh, you know, I, I figured it out. I figured out how to sing again during all oh, wow. of this. It's been a it's been a weird thing, man. And, and you know, we know exactly where you're coming from because. You know, although we don't want COVID to happen, of course, you know, we that's that's never a reason to applaud. But even for us, our show has taken off because, I mean, I told Sandy um, about, you know, about a few months ago, I was like, I have a feeling that when our show is like five years old and let's say that we are the size of like a Bobby Bones or a Ty Bentley, that we're going to look back and we're going to say we owe it to COVID. Yeah, uh, man, I don't, I don't disagree. Like it's been, a, it's the things that have been hard on mm-hmm. on me have been more of like, you know, uh, well, you know, at first it was work, and then it became like, you know, my dad's seventy seven, my mom's seventy one. They both have, you know, some heart things going on, and they're, mm-hmm. you know, they're terrified of getting sick, and yeah. you know, I can't, I can't take my girls down there to. To, to visit with them like you know I think Mealy my oldest one's only ever been around my parents twice because me and my dad were fighting yeah. for a few years in there but uh but 
like it's that that sucks, man. Like I I want to take my girls down there to see my dad, and just I can't, you know. And it's I guess I could, but everybody'd be scared to death the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> and we definitely understand that. Um, now let's shift gears a little bit. You know, that, this kind of perfect lead-in to where I want we're about to go. As you know, when fans they see the artists, they see the glory of like a Blake Shelton, of a Miranda, of a Carey. But they don't see the grind, the sacrifice, the tears, the struggles that it takes not just to get at their level, but even at a career level. And I always want to talk about that side of it because I don't think nobody talks about this side of it. And I always said, you know what, we're going to talk about it because I think it's one of the most important things. So I'm going to tell a quick story that helped guide us into where I want this to go, and then we'll, we'll discuss that. But back in 2014, we interviewed Allison Steele from Two Steel Girls. And back and at that time they were full time with music. And one of the questions I asked Allison was, "What advice would you give an up and coming artist?" And I'll never forget what she said. <clears throat> she said, "This is going to sound funny coming from someone full time, but if your heart will allow you to do anything outside of, if you can see yourself doing something else, go do that and just keep music as a hobby." She goes, "Because the moment you want it to be a career." You no longer own your life. Everybody else owns a piece of it. Your friends and relatives, they never understand. They invite you to weddings, to cookouts, to weekends, to holidays. But when you're at the beginning and grinding it out, <laughs> you can't say no to gigs, and you can't cancel yeah. gigs once you've got them. And friends and relatives never understand that side of it. They think that, oh, it's my big day. It's my wedding. But you've got 50 people on the line that expect you to be at that gig that same day. You can't say no to that now. Yeah, <laughs> um, so yeah. they don't understand that. Then on top of that, your family has to sacrifice. It's not just you, the artist. It's everybody around you that's close to you has to give up some things with you. And then if that's not enough, she went on to explain that then you have days where you just feel miserable. There's days that you're just kind of depressed. There's days that you just don't want to do anything. But if you've got a gig that night, you've got to get up there and smile and put that mask on basically um, – Pun intended. <laughs> Put that mask on yeah. and just and play like you've never played before because those fans are expecting that. But then she added, "But if your heart will not allow you to do anything outside of music, if you cannot see yourself doing anything else, then go all in because the only way that those kind of sacrifices could ever be worth it." What do you think of what she said? And let's talk about that side of it. Well, I mean, I'd say. Uh... <laughs> You know what she said. <laughs> yes, I mean, it's it's pretty spot on, man. I, and there's a, you know, I don't. There's one thing you said that uh, that I don't. It's not that I disagree with it. Um, yeah. But she said, you know, when you're having those days and you have to go on stage and turn it on. Um, and and maybe I I, I can't do that. I'm I'm not. Um, I I think I used to could, mm-hmm. but when I have something going on backstage, it, it comes on stage with me, like every every <laughs> single time. And yeah. I'll and then I'll give you just a prime example. I was dealing with yeah. some stuff. We'll just say some mm-hmm. stuff. And yeah. I was having a really bad night. This was Saturday night, and you know I've been doing acoustic shows, so my freedom to just kind of play whatever I want is at an all time high. Um, mm-hmm. I don't have a set list, but I walked out on stage and um, I said I have two announcements. I said one, um, 
my friend Josh Morningstar, who opened for me, has to leave early, so if you guys don't mind, if, if you haven't gone by the merch table and grabbed something, now's your shot because they're leaving in a minute. And secondly, mm-hmm. I've had a real, real bad day, and I'm in a bad, bad mood, and I'm going to get out of it. But I'm going to play what what I need to play to get out of it. Oh wow! And um, so that's uh, I, I I just I'm not I don't know if it's that I'm not capable, but I just cannot <laughs> I, I can't not I can't not take it on stage with me, man. It's 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 a curse, and I wear it all on I wear it all on my skin. And yeah, it's it's uh the most serious, it's it's the one thing about myself I wish I could fix. <laughs> Well, at least you're being no, authentic. Take, that's what that's what really I, matters. I take, I take that back. There's a lot about mm-hmm. me I wish I could, but that's number <laughs> one. <laughs> I love that, and I love that attitude because <clears throat> again, you, you know, it's one of them things that could work both ways. You know, sometimes, especially in this day and time when with social media, fans want to feel closer to the audience. I mean, to the um, artists than they ever have because of social media. They feel like they got that connection. So by you going out and saying that, you probably developed some connections that that they never had before. Yeah, man, I'm gonna tell you what Good just or bad. happened. <laughs> uh-huh. I, I have to tell you what just happened in my life while you were talking. Mm. Um, I live I live out in the woods in Gainesboro, Tennessee, and I, I don't I'm not a famous guy at all. But man, there are people around here who know who I am, and mm. they they. They pull through. I have my driveway as a pull through. It connects two streets. Man, about two or three times a week, I have people coming, and I'm sitting on my porch right now, and they come down the driveway and they drive five miles per hour and they stare at me, and it is the most unsettling. It's the most unsettling thing that that happens around here because otherwise mm-hmm. it's quiet, it's safe, it's perfect. Yeah. But like you want to talk yeah. about giving something up, man, like that. It just mm-hmm. happens. Like my, my privacy. <laughs> Wow, and and you know I love your honesty there because I think that sometimes fans who cross that line don't think before they cross that line of what they're doing to these artists. <laughs> they're oh, making God, artists freak out. Well, it just pisses me off, man. It just I'm sorry. Right now I'm in a bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I totally anyway. get that. I totally get yeah, that, and I love that you were honest about that. And, and you know, um, that I think that's another reason why we I like to talk about this whole side of the sacrifice side, because I, I want people, fans, first to understand what y'all go through. And I want other artists who are thinking about stepping into this arena, full-time type thing, of what, what, it, what it's really like. It's not all glory like you see with Blake Shelton. There's so much that goes behind the scenes. There's so much grind that happens. There's so much sacrifice. There's so much sacrificing privacy, like you just said. There's so much of that, and I want people to understand what y'all are giving up so that you can give them those 30 minutes or an hour or two hours of your time to sing for them. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's you know it's not that that 2 hours is nothing that's the that's the shortest part of the day you know uh, <laughs> it's the uh, it's i mean dude some days some days we drive a thousand miles you know just it's mm-hmm. me and my 
my tour manager Greg did. I mean, it's the like you're talking 17 hours of driving uh, mm-hmm. to go play for you know 90 minutes, and it's you know the the getting there, the doing it. That's the easiest part of it. Like it's the yeah. being gone. It's the the toll it takes on your body. I'm six I'm six foot three. They don't really make a car that's going to be big enough for me to be totally comfortable in. You know, True. I do my best, but like it's the, the this whole thing it 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 takes this huge toll. But like it's, I also think, I man, I don't want to sound like just an ego driven crazy person, but like man. there is something to this that it's it's a calling, man. Like if you. Mm-hmm. Just like knowing, it's like she said, you know, if if there's, if your heart won't allow you to do something else, you know, and that's I think that's huge because, mm-hmm. I, man, it's just it's the only thing that's ever made Ward Ward, you know, like I, I've never yeah. been, you know, I've never been in great shape, I've never been athletic, I'm 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 not, you know, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, I'm not the best looking guy in the world, uh, you know. But when it comes down to it, the one thing I always had, it was armor, it was it was my identity, it was everything, it was music. Mm-hmm. And the, yeah. the thought of not doing that just is not a, you know, <clears throat> next question. <laughs> yeah, I, so. I, I get where you're coming from on that because all my life, the only thing I've ever known, the only thing I could ever do is talk. I can talk and hold conversations, and that's all I've done. Yeah. And I just never put it into a format to where – Oh, I could actually create a career out of me talking. I just never thought that never crossed my mind until this year. <laughs> yeah. Hey, dude, like, and in, in people haven't, like, more people are mm-hmm. trying to do it now, you know, than ever before. You know, 100 years ago, like, I'm, I'm sure the best singer in Kansas, you know, will never hear know who they were because. Yeah, the avenues mm-hmm. that now to get your music out there and have a career just are so more accessible so tough. to a, you know Joe yep. Schmo like me. <laughs> exactly. So and 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 that is also a a plus and a minus all at the same time. Guys, plus that oh, it's the average person who's trying to make it can actually be noticed. But then it's like oh, that means everybody can be. You know? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's one of them double edged swords. Yeah. But oh, yeah. I get frustrated. I get frustrated getting grouped in with. And man, believe it or not, there's. I don't. I don't name names. And I don't talk shit about people. But there's a lot of there's a lot of people out there making music right now, and it just it like it it hurts my soul. Uh, you know, <laughs> just it, it's just. The kind of things that I just hate and loathe, but uh, the good thing is you're doing it your way. Yeah, and I get mad when I get grouped in with somebody who I think's a total fraud or a total phony, but yeah. they but they're kind of the, mm-hmm. under the same umbrella of independence that I am, and mm-hmm. uh, it's you know that that's the only thing about it. everybody's got to make a living. I don't blame anybody for trying, <laughs> but sometimes you know you know how it is. <laughs> yeah. Definitely understand that. Now that we talked about the sacrifice side, let's talk about let's flip the script and go the other way. When you look back on your career so far, let's talk about the glory side. Now the side that makes everything worthwhile. When you look back, what are some moments where you're like, "Wow, I got to do that." Um, man, the first thing that popped in my head was uh, Steve Warner hired me to sing some demos for him on time. Oh, well. <laughs> 
uh, I went and sang at his house. I did three songs. Uh, he paid me, I don't know, $250, $300, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. That was really cool. Um, you know, <sighs> Willie Nelson and Merle Haggard recording uh, the song that I co-wrote on Fairweather Friend was, oh wow, you know, professionally, I'll never have yeah. a, a bigger feather in my cap. Um, but that, that, that meant a lot to me. And, and, you know, all through the, the years, I had a few songs recorded. Trace Adkins recorded one, mm-hmm. um, you know, Sammy Kershaw. Uh, I had a oh, few, wow. you know, a few near, near things happen, but nothing ever, you know, made a lot of money, but there were those moments when somebody would do something, something would happen and it would give me like the, that that thing in my <clears throat> in me that tells me maybe this is a bad idea, mm-hmm. things like that happen and keep me going and keep me going. Wow! Um, but those were, yeah, those are those are some of the biggest ones, you know. <clears throat> I I love like, that. I met Garth, I met I met Garth Brooks one time. That was pretty badass. <laughs> that was cool. I love all that because, you know, you got to have those moments that keep you going because, again, you know, if all you're doing is grinding and you never see any light, then it's hard yeah. to keep that dream and vision alive. But at least getting some moments to where, you know, like I remember hearing one of the artists say that there's so much grinding involved that you really go from glory to glory with a ton of grind in between. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um Dude, the the coolest thing about Nashville, or used to be, man, I haven't really had a lot of dealings down there and probably, I mean, it's been six, seven years at this point. Mm -hmm. But, uh, man, back in the day, you know, 20 years ago when I got there, there were so many, and I'm sure there are now, man, but these young riders just like you, who kind of, big deal in a small town, moved to Nashville, (laughs) you know, with with that in their heart realizing that this is the like the hardest thing in the world mm-hmm. to to negotiate through but we were all there together man and I wasn't you know I wasn't I didn't move to town to start running around with hit songwriters I was running around with yeah you know guys my age guys yeah. you know from towns like I was from I was actually man I was just thinking about the the great things that have happened you know Man, I had this roommate. His, his name was Tommy Carlos, and Tommy's he's, mm-hmm. he's still around town. But man, we were for a long time, and then uh, I ended up getting a girlfriend, and so we got separate apartments. And but I would still go by his apartment every morning for coffee. And mm-hmm. I went by his apartment one morning, and he played me this song that he had just written. And uh, we were always doing that, you know, bouncing our songs off of each other. And he played me this song that he had just finished that morning. And I asked to look at the lyric, and I read the lyric, and, and I'll never forget the look on his face. He he wanted me, he wanted me to say what I said, and I said, Tommy, you just you, you just knocked it. Like this is the biggest hit that I've yeah. ever heard in my entire life. How long did you write this? And it ended up being recorded and be, being a number one hit, and you know, oh, wow. be, so you were being right. the yeah, dude, I was right. I bought a hit song, man. <laughs> <laughs> but dude, that was you know. But, but that moment, that happening for him, dude, that was a big deal for me because I was, yeah. you know, we were all in it together, you know, and that was mm-hmm. that was a really, really cool thing about it. I love that. 
So we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and play your song, Black Cats and Crows, and talk about that. How's that song? Sounds good to me. All right, hang on the line. Hey, everyone. We have partnered with another great podcast called The Sports Guys Podcast. You can find them over at thesportsguyspodcast.com. The Sports Guys Podcast is a sports and country music podcast hosted by Brandon, Nick, and Andy. They cover sports on a state, regional, and national level with many of the biggest names in the sports industry. The Sports Guys also host a Backstage Pass music segment where they go behind the scenes and talk with some of the biggest artists in country music, everything from Texas country, Americana, as well as Nashville artists. The Backstage Pass provides a more in-depth look at the musicians' rise in music as they talk about their career and tell stories about their music to share with their fans. Many of the same guests will be appearing on our show as well. Again, you can find them over at thesportsguyspodcast.com. It's a grand slam of sports and music. Please go over and check them out.
December, late November last year, and uh, I was standing back there with this uh, buddy of ours, Tennessee Jet, who's a, a great artist and friend, and um, we were I, we're standing back there, just, you know, shooting the bull or whatever. I'm, man, I don't know how this thing broadcasts, by the way. I'm doing a really good job of watching my language. Like I'm, I, I'm usually like 50 <laughs> f bombs, so I'm, I'm trying. Um, but anyway, I'm standing back there, and Cody's a little superstitious, and so I said, mm-hmm. "Hey, TJ, how funny would it be if a black cat ran across the stage right now? Yeah. You know, that'd freak him out." And uh, TJ goes, "You know, I always always thought black cats got kind of a bad rap." And I said, "Yeah, like crows too, man. Crows is not always." <laughs> and he's like, "You know, that might be a good song, Black Cats and Crows." So uh, we talked I'm about it a little, and just noodled around but uh, you know a couple months later uh about a month later i guess um it was january of this year i was out at cody's and we were we were writing or, and you know talking about writing a song and i told him about this idea and uh me and cody just kind of wrote like a draft of it and we texted with tj back and forth a little bit of it uh a little bit on it but um I went in the studio in February, uh, February 28th of this year, and I had a sinus infection. My voice was shot. No um, well. But we uh, we tracked it, and it was kind of an afterthought on tracking it. I didn't know if we were going to have time or not, so we recorded it. And, uh, you know, a couple weeks later, COVID hit, and so nobody knows what the hell's going on. And... So I wasn't able to get back in the studio in time for the deadline. I was going to go re-sing my mm-hmm. vocal just when I wasn't sick. And I just couldn't get in the studio before the deadline. And I was just like, you know, <laughs> just use use the scratch vocal. Like, just go ahead. Yeah. And we didn't, weren't able to get harmonies on it either. So 
but but everything else was was as it was the the day we tracked it uh or the, I oh, guess wow. the day after the guitar thing but yeah and man I sent it to my you know my management and they're you know True Grit they're really uh they're a really hands on group of guys man they they, mm-hmm. they keep their pulse on everything for me and I sent it to my manager Arthur and he was like well there's that's okay we're we're done with the record now. You can breathe. <laughs> so yeah, I love it. turned out. We it for and the, you talking about the and cat? The funny thing, we have a black cat. We oh, do really? have a black. Cat. She's fifteen What's years old. Name? Prissy. It's, her name is Prissy. <laughs> is, is it a ten year? Cat Town, or what's ten cat years anyway? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's she went she's went through all those lives and and been. <laughs> yeah, she's fifteen. She's she's doing fine though. She's great with the gotta, kids. We, gotta, we love her. We got a gray tabby named Oliver. <laughs> yeah, and and but, you know what? One of the things I like to do on the show that I, I don't think gets enough love out there, to be honest with you. And I said, you know what? We're gonna be different. As as you know, when, when fans see you, they don't see the PR people. They don't see the managers, producers, and all that. And I don't think they get enough love. So yeah. we always like to give uh, artists a few minutes to talk about that side of it. So if you want to tell us about the team that helps you be who you are, that would be awesome. Well, dude, it's – man, it's I, – I have a very special situation, man. Like it's – I've never – first of all, I've never had a manager – I had this this booking agent in Texas here a few years ago that I will not go into that. But <laughs> other than that, man, I've, I've never had anybody that like represented me, you know. And um, the I met Co- the, the night that I met Cody Jenks was the night that I met Arthur Penhallow, who's the the head guy at the True Grit. And oh wow, um, man! As soon as I met him, I just knew that I wanted to work with this guy because mm-hmm. I, I was. It was like a bolt of lightning seeing what was happening with Cody, and I had no idea who the guy was. And um, you know, so I would I would drop hints to Art that he was that they were very obvious hints, like, hey, if you need somebody <laughs> else on your roster, I know a guy. <laughs> so uh, anyway, but he, uh, me and Cody ended up becoming friends and writing together a lot. And you know, we wrote uh, this is the first song of. Uh, of, that Cody and I have written together, Black Cats is the first song that we've written together that I've recorded mm-hmm. first. <laughs> oh wow! Uh, but the first song we wrote together was "I'm Not the Devil," so that was mm-hmm. he, you know, his title track, my title track. So, but anyway, the night that I met Cody, uh, I met Arthur, and man, what I would do is like every now and then I would just have an advice question, and so I would call him and ask for advice, and I did, you know, and and he always gave me good advice and there there came a moment where I needed to uh, fire my booking agent but I couldn't pull the trigger because I didn't have another booking agent and I called Art and said Art what do I do and he said you fire him and he said you never look back we'll find you another booking agent and about three months later he called me and said hey if you want to he's like if you if you want me to manage you I'll manage you but you're gonna you have to do you have to do it my way, and I said, "All right, man. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. So your way sounds good to me." And uh, <laughs> man, he's he's just dude, and and he might shoot me for saying this, but dude, it's a handshake deal. There, there's yeah. nothing but friends, you know. And we we all trust each other. I trust that guy 
a thousand percent with my career, ten thousand percent. And you know, even outside of like the management and the booking and all that, dude, like our our camp, our our little group of guys, you know, me and Cody, dude, Cody's I talk to Cody text or, or call probably at least every other day, you know, we're we're you know, we're brothers. But man, Cody Cody did as much for me than anybody, man, because he let me mm-hmm. come out and open for him, uh, you know, get in front of his crowds. We worked together, mm-hmm. man. He, you know, that was more like you never know when you're writing songs with somebody. It might be awful and you might hate it, but it just wasn't that way with with the two of us. So mm-hmm. we always write, we always do shows together. But man, I've had, man, I would still be singing in the backs of sports bars. Like I sang in a dude five years ago, like. There was one night I was singing in a a bowling lane that they had turned off so I could sing. Oh wow! Like in a bowling lane, <laughs> it, like I was doing some really really bad gigs. But uh-huh. it, yeah, Art and Cody and Whitey and all those all those guys that I met through them, they they just totally put the trajectory in a different direction. I love that. And our show, you know, we've got another team member also, our little eight-year-old boy. We always have him come on and ask one question, so Sandy's going to get him on real quick. And then when we get yes, – when Caitlin, our, our 19-month-old daughter, gets older, we'll be plugging her in the show too because we are a family affair. <laughs> cool. I get it. <laughs> and that's one of the reasons why we recently locked in the name familyaffairmedia.com because that's going to be the name we run everything under, Family Affair Media. That's, oh, that's right. Cool. Yeah, I can hear I can hear my kids clawing at the door trying to get out. So, I guess. And here's Christopher. I've got him ready. Here, he's got a question. All right. Hi, Ward. What's your favorite food? What is my favorite food? Oh man. Yeah. I always go. I always go with the first thing that pops in my head, and it's spaghetti. I love spaghetti, mm. man. Like my whole life. Like since I found out about spaghetti. It's just been me and spaghetti. <laughs> oh wow! And what's yours, look, Chris? Um, pizza. Pizza, that's pretty good too, man. I was actually, well, I'm obviously tonight I'm cooking spaghetti, but uh, I think <laughs> tomorrow night we're gonna make a. I found some uh, uh, pizza crust dough. We're gonna make a pizza crust and make make some pizza tomorrow night. <laughs> that sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah. Bye. Thanks. All right, thanks, Chris. It was good talking to you, buddy. <clears throat> Comes and goes quick, but he loves his part. <laughs> That's all. Awesome. So, if you could co-write with any person, dead or alive, who would it be, and what do you think you'd want to write about? Whoa, That's a big one. <laughs> um, who, who would I want to write with? Golly, man. First of all, I mean that's a it, that's a terrible question because if I pick like if you asked me who my favorite writer was, I could tell you, but it, I would be too terrified. Like I would love to write a song with James Taylor, but I could never do it. I could never sit in a room with him and not think, "Oh my God, I'm writing a song with James Taylor." Like nothing would happen. <laughs> but man, like seriously, James Taylor, uh, man. Oh, wow. He was like realistically. There's a guy named Chuck Cannon that I'd really like to work with uh, at mm-hmm. some point. And I actually, I actually know him, but you know, 
being very honest, I'm terrified to ask him to write with me, so I've never asked him. Well, you uh, need to reach out now. You, you know, you, I'm gonna put you on the spot. I expect you in the next few weeks to reach out to him and at least ask. Man, I, dude, I can't. Like, I just, I'm, <laughs> yeah, you can. I don't know. Yeah, you I'm can. Weird. <laughs> you're moving up and you're rising. You're doing great things. I mean, hey, you're personal friends with Cody Jink, so come on. You can do this. <laughs> uh, yeah. Cody, Cody, he's just nobody like me. He's, just, he's got money. <laughs> <laughs> Oh um, God! You know, you know the best part about it, like Cody's obviously, you know, in the last couple of years, he's he's, you know, gone over that to the next level, you know. Yeah. And uh, but man, we give him so much hell about having money. Like it's just like I'll I'll find a picture of a a bed made out of hundred dollar bills, and I'll be like, Hey, Cody, uh, <laughs> found you a new bed. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's he's, funny. Seriously, like that. That's you know, I know there's a lot of people who would probably feel about Cody the way I feel about James Taylor, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But, man, he is such – he's such a normal dude and such a disarming personality. Like, it's all like, – mm-hmm. riding with him, like, maybe the least intimidating thing in the world. It's it's always just a real it, – it, it, man, it's always a joy to, to work with him. <laughs> I love that. Um, <clears throat> now, this – it's – Kind of another loaded question, but I always ask this. Um, there's probably going to be a thousand answers, but just answer this with the first thing that pops in your head like you've been doing. Um, what is a song out there that you've heard that you wish you wrote? Good Old Boys Like Me. Oh, I love that. Uh, Bob McGill. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that song. Man, and what I love about that song most of all is I, and I don't know if you know the story of it, and I don't know if I mm-hmm. if I know it fully. It's one of those Nashville legends that gets passed on uh-huh. and on and on, and there's a thousand of them. But um, apparently, uh, Bob McDill's from Beaumont, Texas. He's you know he's mm-hmm. a southern southern boy, and he was listening to the radio one day and he heard this song, uh, "Just a Good Old Boy, Never Mean No Wrong." And man, mm-hmm. it offended him because he was a good old boy too, but he was mm-hmm. the law was never chasing him. So he went and wrote "Good Old Boys Like Me" as an answer oh, to wow. that song. And, wow, and wow. just the, just the when when you think about the emotion and the thought mm-hmm. and the like the the man, what a, what an amazing feat! Like just to. You know, to say what you wanted to say without, like, he didn't say one bad word about that other song, but he did yeah, ask exactly. the question, you know, what do you do with good old boys like me? If, you're not, if I'm not running from the law, then what am I doing? I uh, love that. Yeah. Man. You know, one, one of my favorite songwriting stories, too, and you, and probably when I get halfway through this, you'll you'll know exactly the story, if I got the story right, because I'm like you. I think I got it right, but I'm not 100% sure. But there was a guy playing at one of the – I don't know if it was Bluebird or what, but play, he was songwriter playing this song. And this guy who nobody knew who was walks up to him and says, I'm in Nashville to get signed, and when I get signed, I want to cut that song. Yeah, I know And that was Garth, yep, Garth Brooks and the dance, right? Yep, Tony Arada. Man, <laughs> 
you want to talk you want to talk about a moment in my in my career i should have i should have started with this one man a few years ago i started hanging out at a bar called uh dan mcginnis it's gone now in nashville but there's this group of old songwriters that, that hung out there all the time but uh pat alger ralph murphy uh tony arada, arada and this uh old label head guy named paul lux but anyway, they would get together there every day, and they had this weird way of splitting the tab and who paid and all this. Like it was just <laughs> this total old man thing. Uh-huh. But man, I was I was uh, Pat Alger and I co-wrote "15 Years in a Ten Year Town," which was the title track of my my first record. Mm-hmm. And the day that I got the CDs printed, I went down to the uh, I went down to the bar, and I was going to give Pat a few CDs, so I had a little stack of CDs. And Tony got there before Pat, and uh, he came and sat down, and uh, you know, hello Tony, you know, and he said hello Ward, and uh, he said, what do you got there? And I said, oh, it's my new record, and I slid it across, slid one across to him, and he looked at it, and it still had the cellophane wrap on it, and he said, oh, cool, and he slid it back, and I, I, I said, oh man, I was like, go ahead and keep one, dude. I got you know four or five here. I'll give Pat, and he said, oh, okay, cool, thanks, man, and he tore the cellophane wrapper off of it and he opened it and he looked at it and he closed it and he stood up and he said, you wrote unfair weather friend. And I said, yeah. And he, he stood up and he said, I said, he said, I'm leaving. He said, I had no idea I was sitting next to a, a, a GD genius. <laughs> and I said, Tony, <laughs> you sit your ass down, man. Like, are you kidding me? Uh, like, and he's oh, like, wow. oh, Lord. And, man, he just went on and on. And then uh, later that night, he wrote me this this really just beautiful email. He, he had gone home and listened to my record. And uh, the last thing in the, the the email was, you know, oh, man, I'm getting teary talking about it. Um, <laughs> he said, David, Ol- David Olney told me one time, that he wanted to make a re- I asked him what he wanted out of this business And he said he told me he wanted to make a record And he said I took mm-hmm. from that That he wanted to stick his flag in the in the earth And, and say I was here And, <laughs> and, he, and Tony said mm-hmm. That's that's what you've done here my friend And man like, oh, wow. <laughs> it was like, you know, like the, the only reason that I play country music The only reason I wanted to play piano Was because of that song mm-hmm. The dance Wow. Anyway. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> I absolutely love that story. Um, now, let's talk about the future here. <clears throat> this past February made the five-year anniversary that we asked Kelsey Ballerini where she wanted to be in five years. And I always <laughs> like to tell this story before I ask the artist that same question because I think it's important for artists to kind of think about this before they answer because the answer she gave us back then is almost to the T of what she's living now. It's been amazing to watch. Oh, she told us this, and she is living this five years later. So she knew where she was going. So knowing that, where do you want to be in five years? Oh, God. Man, like – First thing that popped in my head, I'll tell you. I mean, I'll I'll go further, but man, like five years from now, I hope I'm, you know, I hope my girls are happy and healthy. Uh, you know, I hope I'm, I hope I'm yeah. still able to make a living for them. You know, like mm-hmm. I don't, man, I don't like I don't mind, I don't, 
I want to grow. I want to be more. I want I want my music to reach more people. I'm I'm not really man, it doesn't excite me to think about being famous or 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 taking mm-hmm. over to the next level. I mean, I would yeah. I would like that and I would take it for everything it's worth and and give it everything I have. But man, I've shit, dude, I'm 41 years old. Like I've I've learned that like you know, every day is is a gift, and mm-hmm. you know, five years from now, man, as long as I'm here, as long as my kids are healthy and happy, and as long as I'm still playing music, I, I don't really care. I love that. Now, let's say that you look 10, 15 years down the road, and you are a success at whatever level that is. You're a big success. Um, now, let's say the person you are today can meet your future successful self what would you tell him or remind him oh man if if i were the 15 years from now me telling me now yeah, but, 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 no if you who are you are today you're talking to your future self your future successful self see everybody goes the other way i like to go this way you're oh, you're okay. now talking to your future self I'd say don't listen to me. <laughs> um, yeah. Man, I, God, I don't know, dude. Like, I never – don't ever think you know everything. I, I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I try to That's, keep my – yeah, just don't don't ever believe that you know everything because you don't. Like, I love you never, you, uh, I Basically, guess, I stay humble. That. Yeah, stay humble. Just like, man, I'm, dude, I'm a human being. Like everybody struggles with, you know, what's important to them and doing mm-hmm. the right thing. You know, just like I always try to do the right thing. I know I always don't, but I always yeah. try to. And you know, as long as I, as long as old old me, you know, you're you're assuming that I'll be around in 15 years too. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, I just I hope I hope I like always like truly believe that I'm just completely ignorant to what people go through. Uh, yeah. Just, I, I don't know, man. You never know what, I, you never know what the guy sitting next to you is dealing with. Exactly. Really mm-hmm. great point. Um, so let's say you had a friend of yours and you heard him or her sing and they got that, you know, as Simon Cowell would say, they got that it factor. But they've played maybe 40 or 50 shows, so they're still getting their feet wet on the performance side. But they've gotten on stage, and they got what every artist says, that stage bug where they're looking over the crowd, and the crowd's roaring for them, and they know they're in the right place. And they come to you, and they say, Ward, I know I'm supposed to do this with the rest of my life. What advice would you give that specific person to help guide them the next few years? Man, I'll – like I've thought about this a lot because mm-hmm. there was there was a point not that long ago where I was watching somebody right next to me explode, and I, mm-hmm. all I could think about was how can I do what can I do that he's doing so that <laughs> I could explode. Yeah, and man, I it, I don't know why it didn't, it didn't just dawn on me immediately, but man, I never started getting anything done. Until I started being myself. When I stopped 
trying mm-hmm. to write songs for other people, those songs started getting recorded. When mm-hmm. I stopped wow. trying to fit in and stopped mm-hmm. trying to write songs about other people and started writing them about myself and what I knew and what I've seen, mm-hmm. people started responding like, being yourself, being a, a man, song like be you're the voice of the of the human race songwriters you know Mm -hmm. like be your voice be be you and people will relate to you because they're human just like you and find those things that you think are personal that everybody goes through and write about those things and sing about those things but don't do it outside of who you are you know I love, love that. Like I remember before we launched this show, I reached out to a Nashville friend of mine and I asked, you know, as we're launching this show, what advice would he give us? And I'll never forget because it kind of ties into what you just said. <clears throat> he says the only, there's only one piece of advice I can give. He says be and stay authentic. He says you could tell every Bobby Bones joke. You could tell every Ty Bentley joke. And who knows? You might be good at it, but the day will come when authentic Chris comes out. You can't stop it. It's coming. And when that day comes, you will lose every bit of your audience because they were never attracted to authentic Chris. So if you start and stay authentic right from the beginning, your show may grow slower, but you'll gain the right audience. Yeah, and man, it, dude, I, I will say that. Like, you know, you see it on, you see it all the time. It's like one day you've never heard of this guy, and the next day he's, <laughs> you know, I don't know, <laughs> getting, getting canceled from SNL. <laughs> so like, I've seen that happen, dude, so many times in Nashville. And the way that the way that I've done it, and the way that the, the people around me have encouraged me to do it, are just that, man. Stay, stay who you are. Do not, yep. like, man. I, you know, on this new record, there's a lot of these songs on here that are like 16, 17 years old. But mm-hmm. they were the songs that nobody. They were the songs nobody wanted. But they were yeah. like the songs that I was proudest of. But everybody's like, nobody's gonna cut that. That doesn't sound like a radio so hit. So you cut them. Nobody wants to hear <laughs> a song about their grandpa. You know, like so. Mm-hmm. That, that's exactly what I did, man. I went and I dug and I said, you know what? I'm not letting these songs go away. Like, I'm still proud of them. So, um, I love the, that. And, but they were always the songs that related to me. You know. Yeah, exactly. And that sounds like a great way to end this. So if you want to tell everybody how they can reach out to you, that would be awesome. Uh, yeah, man. Well, I mean, I'm on uh, Facebook. Uh, God, I should have written this stuff down because I have no idea. Sure. WardDavisMusic.com is where you can uh, you can listen and watch and <laughs> yeah, everything there. And uh, you know, all booking goes through uh, True Grit, so I'm pretty sure all that's on the website, but yeah, WardDavisMusic.com more than anything. Love that. And you know, we really enjoyed having you on the show today and we definitely look forward to having you back down the road. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. Sounds good. I appreciate you having me. All right. You have a blessed day. All right. You too. You guys be good. Bye. Bye.